Volume One, Chapter Eighteen of Gwen Wynne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Gwen Wynne, A Romance of the Wye by Main Reed, Chapter Eighteen: A Cat in the Cupboard. Evan Morgan is a tenant farmer holding Abergann by herefordshire custom every farm or its stead has a distinctive appellation like the land belonging to glingog that of abergann lies against the sides of a sloping glen one of the hundreds or thousands of lateral ravines that run into the valley of the wye but unlike the old manor-house the domicile of the farmer is at the glen's bottom and near the river's bank nearer yet to a small influent stream rapid and brawling which sweeps past the lower end of the orchard in a channel worn deep into the soft sandstone though with the usual imposing array of enclosure walls the dwelling itself is not large nor the outbuildings extensive for the arable acreage is limited this because the ridges around are too high pitched for ploughing and if ploughed would be unproductive they are not even in pasture but overgrown with woods less for the sake of the timber which is only scrub than as a covert for foxes they are held in hand by evan morgan's landlord a noted nimrod for the same reason the farmhouse stands in a solitary spot remote from any other dwelling the nearest is the cottage of the wingates distant about half a mile but neither visible from the other nor is there any direct road between only a footpath which crosses the brook at the bottom of the orchard thence running over a wooded ridge to the main highway the last after passing close to the cottage as already said is deflected away from the river by this same ridge so that when evan morgan would drive anywhere beyond the boundaries of his farm he must pass out through a long lane so narrow that were he to meet any one driving in there would be a deadlock however there is no danger as the only vehicles having occasion to use this thoroughfare are his own farm wagon and a lighted trap in which he goes to market and occasionally with his wife and daughter to merry-makings when the three are in it there is none of his family at home for he has but one child a daughter nor would he long have her were a half-score of young fellows allowed their way at least this number would be willing to take her off his hands and give her a home elsewhere remote as is the farmhouse of abergann and narrow the lane leading to it there are many who would be glad to visit there if invited in truth a fine girl is mary morgan tall bright-haired and with blooming cheeks beside which red rose leaves would seem fade living in a town she would be its talk in a village its bell even from that secluded glen has the fame of her beauty gone forth and afar of husbands she could have her choice and among men much richer than her father in her heart she has chosen one not only much poorer but lower in social rank jack wingate she loves the young waterman and wants to be his wife but no she cannot without the consent of her parents not that either has signified opposition since they have never been asked her longings in that direction she has kept secret from them nor does she so much dread refusal by the father evan morgan had been himself poor began life as a farm labourer and though now an employer of such his pride had not kept pace with his prosperity instead he is as ever the same modest unpresuming man of which the lower middle classes of the english people present many noble examples from him jack wingate would have little to fear on the score of poverty he is well acquainted with the young waterman's character knows it to be good 
and has observed the efforts he is making to better his condition in life it may be with suspicion of the motive at all events admiringly remembering his own and although a roman catholic he is anything but bigoted were he the only one to be consulted his daughter might wed with the man upon whom she has fixed her affections at any time it pleases them ay at any place too even within the walls of a protestant church by him neither would jack wingate be rejected on the score of religion very different with his wife of all the worshippers who compose the congregation at the bugs ferry chapel none bend the knee to baal as low as she and over no one does father rogerer exercise such influence baneful it is like to be since not only has he control of the mother's conduct but through that may also blight the happiness of the daughter apart from religious fanaticism mrs morgan is not a bad woman only a weak one as her husband she is of humble birth and small beginnings like him too neither has prosperity affected her in the sense of worldly ambition perhaps better if it had instead of spoiling a little social pride might have been a bar to the dangerous aspirations of richard dempsey even with the priest standing sponsor for him but she has none her whole soul being absorbed by blind devotion to a faith which scruples not at anything that may assist in its propagandism it is the saturday succeeding the festival of the harvest home a little after sunset and the priest is expected at abergan he is a frequent visitor there by mrs morgan ever made welcome and treated to the best cheer the farmhouse can afford plate knife and fork always placed for him and to do him justice he may be deemed in a way worthy of such hospitality for he is in truth a most entertaining personage can converse on any subject and suit his conversation to the company whether high or low as much at home with the wife of the welsh farmer as with the french ex-cocotte and equally so in the companionship of dick dempsey the poacher in his hours of far niente all are alike to him this night he is to take supper at abergan and mrs morgan seated in the farmhouse parlour awaits his arrival a snug little apartment tastefully furnished but with a certain air of austerity observable in roman catholic houses this by reason of some pictures of saints hanging against the walls an image of the virgin and standing niche-like in a corner one of the crucifixion over the mantel-shelf with crosses upon books and other like symbols it is near nine o'clock and the table is already set out on grand occasions as this the farmhouse parlour is transformed into dining or supper-room indifferently the meal intended to be eaten now is more of the former differing in there being a tea-tray upon the table with a full service of cups and saucers as also in the lateness of the hour but the odoriferous steam escaping from the kitchen drifted into the parlour when its door is opened tells of something in preparation more substantial than a cup of tea with its usual accompaniment of bread and butter and there is a fat capon roasting upon the spit with a frying pan full of sausages on the dresser ready to be clapped upon the fire at the proper moment as soon as the expected guest makes his appearance and in addition to the tea-things there is a decanter of sherry on the table and will be another of brandy when brought on father rogerer's favourite tipple as mrs morgan has reason to know there is a full bottle of this cognac of best brand in the larder cupboard still corked as it came from the welsh harp where it cost six shillings the rugs ferry hostelry as already intimated dealing in drinks of a rather costly kind mary has been directed to draw the cork decant and bring the brandy in and for this purpose has just gone off to the larder 
thence instantly returning but without either decanter or cognac instead with a tale which sends a thrill of consternation through her mother's heart the cat has been in the cupboard and there made havoc upset the brandy bottle and sent it rolling off the shelf on the stone flags of the floor broken of course and the contents no need for further explanation mrs morgan does not seek it nor does she stay to reflect on the disaster but how it may be remedied it will not mend matters to chastise the cat nor cry over the spilt brandy any more than if it were milk on short reflection she sees but one way to restore the broken bottle by sending to the welsh harp for a whole one true it will cost another six shillings but she recks not of the expense she is more troubled about a messenger where and how is one to be had the farm labourers have long since left they are all benedicts on board wages and have departed for their respective wives and homes there is a cowboy yet he is also absent gone to fetch the kind from a far-off pasturing place and not be back in time while the one female domestic maid of all work is busy in the kitchen up to her ears among pots and pans her face at a red heat over the range she could not possibly be spared it's very vexatious exclaims mrs morgan in a state of lively perplexity it is indeed assents her daughter a truthful girl mary in the main but just now the opposite for she is not vexed by the occurrence nor does she deem it a disaster quite the contrary and she knows it was no accident having herself brought it about it was her own soft fingers not the cat's claws that swept that bottle from the shelf sending it smash upon the stones tipped over by no maladroit handling of corkscrew but downright deliberate intention a stratagem that may enable her to keep the appointment made among the fireworks that threat when she told jack wingate she would find a way thus is she finding it and in furtherance she leaves her mother no time to consider longer about a messenger i'll go she says offering herself as one the deceit unsuspected and only the willingness appreciated mrs morgan rejoins do that's a dear girl it's very good of you mary here's the money while the delighted mother is counting out the shillings the dutiful daughter whips on her cloak the night is chilly and adjusts her hat the best holiday one on her head all the time thinking to herself how cleverly she has done the trick and with a smile of pardonable deception upon her face she trips lightly across the threshold and on through the little flower garden in front outside the gate at an angle of the enclosure wall she stops and stands considering there are two ways to the ferry here forking the long lane and the shorter footpath which is she to take the path leads down along the side of the orchard and across the brook by the bridge only a single plank this spanning the stream and originally fixed to the rock at both ends has of late come loose and is not safe to be traversed even by day at night it is dangerous still more on one dark as this and danger of no common kind at any time the channel through which the streams run is twenty feet deep with rough boulders in its bed one falling from above would at least get broken bones no fear of that to-night but something as bad if not worse for it has been raining throughout the earlier hours of the day and there in the brook now a raging torrent one dropping into it would be swept on to the river and there surely drowned if not before it is no dread of any of these dangers which causes mary morgan to stand considering which route she will take she has stepped that plank on nights dark as this even since it became detached from the fastenings and is well acquainted with its ways 
were there naught else she would go straight over it and along the footpath which passes the big elm but it is just because it passes the elm she has now paused and is pondering her errand calls for haste and there she would meet a man sure to delay her she intends meeting him for all that and being delayed but not till on her way back considering the darkness and obstructions on the footwalk she may go quicker by the road though round about returning she can take the path this thought in her mind with perhaps remembrance of the adage business before pleasure decides her and drawing closer her cloak she sets off along the lane End of chapter eighteen